0: Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 12 and we want to continue with this that uh, we have been on entitled let us draw near and uh, we've been dealing a lot with renewing the mind and uh, uh, the more I seek the Lord about it pray about it he just has been asking me to stay here and uh, so we want to do that you know I, I heard a I, uh, I was recording today for the, the Kansas location. I made the statement. I said, you know, now we're starting to lay down some big trees. I, I heard there was an old minister one time and he was ministering and he said, he made this statement. He said, you know, when you go to cut down a, 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 a big tree, he said, the first thing you got to do is clear down the br- clear out the brush around it and, and make sure there's no branches that are going to hang it up because then you'll really have a problem and then you can lay that big tree down. Well, the last uh, 15 weeks, we've been clearing out the brush. And now we're ready to lay some trees down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, Romans 12 and uh, verse 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed... By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And we've been making this statement that according to what we see here in the scriptures, this is an intentional, volitional act. It's it's something you have to think about. It's not anything that you can do without thinking about it. There's something you have to do with your body and something you have to do with your mind. And Paul says uh, to present your body and be renewed in your mind. So we're to renew our minds uh, according to the Word of God. And very often when we talk about this verse and we, we uh, uh, read it, and it's not wrong, I want you to understand that, it's, it's right, but very often it's this mode of thinking that we have to renew our mind where our covenant rights are concerned, uh, to the fact that, you know, I, I'm righteous or I'm holy or I'm loved or, or God wants me healed or God wants me blessed. Uh, Renewing our mind to our covenant rights, and that's true because I've got to be able to think like God thinks. That's absolutely true, but it's not really the application of renewing our minds in this scripture, all right? We're going to get more into that as we move forward, but the application of this scripture is, is, notice, don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word conformed is a a, a word in the Greek. It's a compound word, so it comes from two words. The first word means with or together, with or together, and the second one means form. So the Holy Spirit's saying simply this, don't be with or together the form of the world, all right? Don't don't be put together in the form of the world. So we're not to be conformed to this world's pattern, the pattern of the world. The Wuss Bible says, and stop assuming an outward expression that does not come from within you and is not representative of what you are in your inner being but is patterned after this age. So as believers, we are not to assume an outward expression that doesn't look like we look on the inside. That's the pattern of the world, all right? In his book, Word Studies in the New Testament, Kenneth Woost, who who wrote the Woost Bible, translated it, he translates this, Stop masquerading... In the trappings of this world. It's mannerisms. Speech. Expressions. Styles. Habits. Thoughts. Views. And philosophies. Stop masquerading. In the trappings of this world. It's mannerisms. Speech. Expressions. Styles. Habits. Thoughts. Views. And philosophies. Well you know. You've heard of a masquerade ball or a masquerade party? You know, well, what, what do the people do? They go in a mask. They, they, they look like something they aren't. And Paul tells the Roman Christians, stop, stop looking and acting like something you're not. You're born again, and you need to quit allowing yourself to be squeezed into the pattern of this world. The thought processes of this world. Amen. He says you need to stop that. That's what they were doing. And he says you need to stop. Here's the sad thing. That's what many Christians are doing today. They're picking up the expressions, the habits, the philosophies, the mannerisms of the world. And they're thinking like the world and talking like the world and defending the things the world defends. And they're on the world's bandwagon. And they're losing their testimony and they're losing their witness and nobody takes them serious. Because they're looking like something they're not. One man said this, the modernism of your mannerisms is hurting your fundamentalism. Amen. Do, do you see this? Paul tells them to stop doing this. Notice 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7, 1 Corinthians 7. And 31, we're growing. We're growing. Paul says, notice, to the Corinthian church, and they that use this world as not abusing it, notice, for the fashion of this world passeth away. The fashion of this world passeth away. We're not to pattern our lives after the world and what the world thinks And what the world looks like, how the world behaves, everything about this world is passing away. It said this age is passing away. The the word for world here is the Greek word aion, A-I-O-N, aion. And it means age. It's, It's used over and over again in the book of Revelation to describe everlastingness. And it talks about everlasting punishment. And in the Greek, it means age after age after age after age after age after age after unending age. All right? Here it describes the age of the world, this age that we're living in. And he says this age, this world is passing away. See, here's the issue it's not the physical world that's the problem, it's the spirit of the age that's in the world we live in. It's, it's a very, very subtle thing. This age is influenced by the world of darkness. It's influenced by the enemy. Amen. And, and when I allow myself to be patterned, to be squeezed into the mold of this age, then I allow myself and I set myself up to be influenced by darkness. Amen. Romans 12, 2 in the Amplified Bible says, Do not be conformed to this world, this age fashioned after, adapted to its external superficial customs. Now notice that word, adapted to. And what's he talking about? This age, the world, the age that we're living in. He says, notice what he says, don't be adapted to it. Don't, don't allow yourself to become comfortable with it. The Bible says, when you, when you read the scriptures, it says that the problem that Lot had was he vexed His righteous soul by adapting to and looking at the sinfulness that was around him every day. It vexed his soul. And Paul says in Romans, he says, Don't be conformed to this world, to this age, fashioned after or adapted to its external superficial customs. This world and the men and women living in this world primarily today are lost primarily they're lost they're under the sway the bible says of darkness the bible says those that have not believed have their minds blinded and they have a hard time believing the gospel of course that's why we're preaching it that's why we're teaching it but we have to be on guard against the spirit of the age it's more subtle than many think it is there are things that happen every day and I watch Christians and they're buying into it and I'm trying to figure out why are you buying into that? Why are you thinking that way? Why, why do you think that's alright to think like that? Amen. One, one, one thing that, that so many people bought into last year was that spirit of fear. They just bought into it. They, they were afraid because they were told to be afraid. They were afraid because they were told to be afraid. Amen. Amen. The, the Lord said something to me, and boy, I had to chew on it, because he said, he said you know, back in uh, 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 the time of the election, and I'm not saying anything bad about anybody, I'm just relating what we all know. There were some men and women that were prophesying some things, and, and I mean, they were setting dates and naming names, and, and uh, you know, it, it appears that none of that happened. Remember, I I told y'all, I said, don't, don't make your decision based on what a man said. Make your decision based on what the Holy Spirit's telling you. But here's the point. There are Christians that are just up in arms and they're not going to listen to them no more because they missed it. And and boy, they said they were hearing from God and they missed it. Well, that might be right or it might not be right. But here's the thing. That same Christian will listen to what the world's saying about the situation of the world and make their decision based on what those people are saying. And those people have been been wrong over and over and over and over again but yet because they're influenced by the spirit of this age, they make a decision based on what somebody said that doesn't even know God. And it's totally fear-based. I've been asking you, how often do they have to be wrong before you quit listening? Well, it's going to be this way. Oh, it wasn't that way. What about this doctor? Well, you know, we don't know. Then what are you talking for? If you don't know, why are you talking? Now that's just one example. Right? That, that's just one example. Amen. Hallelujah. So we have to guard against the spirit of the edge because it's subtle. It's subtle. Well, you know, what? what's wrong with two people that love each other getting married, even if they are the same sex? I mean, they love each other. As a matter of fact, you can't help who you love. You can't help who you love. You know, if you're attracted to a man, you can't help it. See, that's subtle. And what that does is that makes many Christians feel like if they say that's wrong or that's sinful, that somehow they're unloving and unkind. Because you don't want people to be happy. No, we don't want them to go to hell. We don't don't want them to end up in a place they don't want to be. But see, it's subtle. It's subtle. You see what I'm saying? It's subtle. And, 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 and it starts in just those little ways. And when Christians start, start conforming to that. Amen. See, that, that, that's what I'm talking about. It's not just talking about behavior. Behavior is important. It's talking about how you think. You cannot afford to think like the world. You can't even, you can't start going down that road. Hallelujah. The Phillips translation says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Don't let it squeeze you. That's what the world's always trying to do, is squeeze you into its mold. We're to renounce the spirit of this age in all of its forms. In all of its forms. Amen. Because here's the issue. The spirit of this age, if you don't renounce it, it'll ruin your walk with God. It'll ruin your walk with God. It'll make your testimony ineffective. The Bible says you are light in this world. Walk as children of light. It's so important. Amen. Amen. The church is better at not conforming to the world's behavior than we are at not conforming to the world's thoughts. We're better at not conforming to their behavior. You know, we don't drink, cuss, smoke, chew, or run with girls that do. We live right and spit white. You know what I mean by that? Not a little pinch between your cheek and gum. Right? Because we know, hey, that's bad behavior. But the same person that wouldn't be caught dead, as my mother would say, smoking a cigarette, will start thinking like the world. Well, you know, is it really that big of a deal? It's that big of a deal. Because once I start thinking like the world, then it's just a matter of time that that I begin to act that way. Hallelujah. Behavior is important, but how do I think? For instance, when you discipline a child, it might be because of bad behavior. But what are you trying to do? Hurt the child or change how they think? Change how they think. My father always said it's amazing how a little pain back here will change this. Amen. And, and I use the illustration today. I'll use it again. You know, my my mother when when uh, when uh, when I was being being raised, you know, just a little boy, uh, there was a doctor. Some of y'all will remember this guy, Benjamin Spock, not Doctor Spock from Star Trek, Benjamin Spock. Some of the younger folks are like, oh, I know him. No, 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 it's not, not that one, not live long and prosper, all right? But, but the point is, you know, he was the one that came out with all this stuff that maybe spanking wasn't that good of a thing and you needed to set your child down and talk to them. Now, I know there's a time, you know, if if you raise your child and you discipline them, you may have to discipline them physically less and less and less and and talking will work. But here's the point. The world started changing their thinking. That didn't change my mother's thinking at all. She did not conform to that spirit of the world. We just went right on getting whippings. Amen. Because she had read in the the word that the, 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 the rod of correction will drive foolishness from the heart of a child. Right? Far from them. You won't have a fool in your house if you'll correct them. Now, now I know there are situations, I mean, situations are different, but here's my point. That didn't influence it. It didn't influence it. Hallelujah. Because behavior is important, but how do we think? How how do I think about something? Who are we trying to identify with? See, that's that's a question... That Christians have to ask themselves, when, when they think a certain, who am I trying to identify with? I remember years ago, probably 30, 30 plus years ago, I was working for a corporation. And there was a guy I knew. He was a believer. And, 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 and I was a believer. So we had that in common. But uh, there used to be a group that every Saturday, uh, 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 we worked a half a day. And they would all go out to the bar. Well, they never invited me. But they would invite this guy. Well, He's a believer. And here's what his response would always be. One guy said to him one time, he said, uh, uh, now I know you can't go with this because you're a Christian. He goes, no, no, I can go. I'll go. I'll just order a Coke. Now here's my thinking. What's wrong with this picture? Does any believer have any business at all whatsoever in a bar? Let me help you. The answer is no. It's no. Well, what if Jesus tells me to go there? He don't tell you to go there every Friday. He, he doesn't do that. If he did, go there, get the job done, and leave. But here's, here's the point. People will say, well, it's no big deal. He was just drinking a Coke. His approval was on what everybody else was doing. Amen your testimony is compromised now that's an extreme example but 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 it's 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 the it's the same way across the board when i start thinking like the world my testimony's compromised and he said stop being conformed and start being transformed the word bible the second part of that verse says but change your outward expression the one that comes from within and is representative of your inner being, how? By renewing your mind. So I should eventually begin to look like on the outside what I am on the inside. That's the goal, right? Hallelujah. A transformation is a change of the outward expression, the one that's representative of our inner man. It's the Greek word metamorpho, metamorpho, however you want to explain it. It's, it's a compound word. And, and it's, it's where we get the, the, it's, the idea is presented in the metamorphosis of the caterpillar. Right? Well, you know, you think about a caterpillar and a butterfly. Well, you know, you don't want to pick a caterpillar up and, and hold it and hang on to it. If you're out working in your yard and a caterpillar falls on you, you're more likely to go, hey, oh, and knock it off of you. But yet people will put their hand out and want a butterfly to land on it. Here's the thing. The butterfly was always in the caterpillar. But there came a time that the caterpillar had to change. And it wrapped itself in that cocoon. And after a period of time, out came the butterfly. It was not the caterpillar any longer. It didn't look like the caterpillar. It didn't act like the caterpillar. It was no longer a caterpillar. It was a butterfly. That's why one is called a caterpillar and one is called a butterfly. When you got born again, you were a sinner. You were an enemy of God. You were a stranger to the covenants of promises. You were alienated from the life of God. But when you were born again, you became one with Christ, one with God. You became filled with the Holy Spirit. You became an entirely new creature. And it's time for you to start looking on the outside like you look on the inside. I got to make that decision. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now we used to sing a song in church. You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase. You have earnestly, fervently prayed. But you cannot have rest. Pickly blessed until all on the altar you've laid. Hallelujah. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Does your heart, your spirit control? You cannot have rest. Or be perfectly blessed. Till you yield him your heart and your soul. That's now that's old. You got to go back. Hallelujah. But it's, it, isn't it the truth though? That's what he said. He said you present your body a living sacrifice. And there are people that want things to change in their life. But they have to change. Oh Glory. Thank you, Lord. So we must not allow our outward expression to be influenced by this world when that's not who we are. That's not who we are. Be transformed, he said, and let who you really are be displayed on the outside. This is who I really am. In uh, 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3. We sing that song, too, that said, what do you want the Lord to say? What do you want the Lord to say? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want the Lord to say. Yes. Hallelujah. So what's that got to do with your message? Nothing. It just felt good. <laughs> Second, Second Corinthians 3 and verse 18. We all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. One translation says, as for us with uncovered face, reflecting as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, according as this change of expression proceeds from the Lord. The Spirit, this outward expression, coming from and being truly representative of the Lord. The mirror, we know the mirror is the Word. All right, it says beholding as in a glass. Well, James said, you remember we said last week, James said, if you're a hearer of the word, not a doer, you're like a man that looks in the mirror and forgets who he is, forgets what he looks like. So the mirror is the word. And as we look in the word, we're changed and we begin to reflect what we're seeing. Very often the glory will roll in in our services. And here's what you've got to understand. The glory showing up and being visible is just a reflection of the glory that's in you. It's a reflection. And he said that as I look into the Word, I'm changed. I begin to reflect what I'm seeing. Hallelujah. I, re- I remember when I uh, I was, uh, this again has been over 30 years ago, I got, I got a hold of, of the, scripture, the scriptures in Romans chapter 8. And I remember every morning I would be walking through my little apartment there in Lenexa, Kansas. And I'm just, I'm just looking into that. And I'm getting victory. Well, I didn't know all the ins and outs of things that I know now. But something began to change. I began to take on the mindset of what I was seeing. When you look into the Word, you, be, you begin to reflect what you are seeing. We're supposed to reflect the glory of God. It's not just external. It comes from within us. It comes out of the inside of us. And notice, he says it's the Spirit of God that affects this change in our lives. By the Spirit. But guess what? He won't do it without our involvement in the Word. If I'm not involved in the Word, there's nothing for the Holy Spirit to use to change me. Hallelujah. We renew our minds with the Word and that gives the Holy Spirit something to work with in transforming us. Because He's got to have something to work with. If... if if the scripture was not in the Bible, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, the Holy Spirit could never impress on your spirit that you're a new creature. Amen. If we're allowing the thoughts, the ideas, the pattern of the world to creep into our lives, then the Holy Spirit's hindered in our transformation. If I'm thinking like the world... He has nothing to confirm. Because I'm responsible to give the Holy Spirit the right things to work with in my life. Amen. See, over the years, people have thought they, people were just being legalistic. That, that's why we teach to watch what you see. To not just watch anything. Why? Because what you see, you're going to think on. Hallelujah. And and it can be overtly sinful things, or things that are full of fear, or things that are full of doubt, or things that, whatever it may be. And, And that begins to shape my thinking. I want to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. You want to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. Something that will produce transformative power... In our lives. Am I helping you? The Holy Spirit will not confirm the world's philosophy. He will not. He, he just won't. No, no, no matter what. Progressives want to. See the whole thing with the sneaker friendly movement. I mean seeker friendly movement. The, the whole thing with it was this. It was, it was to take the pressure off of people to change. You don't have to change, you, you don't, you know, when, when you come to church, hey, don't worry about how you look, don't worry about how you dress, you know, just come ever how you want. And people say, well, dressing isn't important. God thought it was. Amen. Are you following me? You know, if, 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 if you see somebody come out of their house on Monday morning in flip-flops, and old shorts and a tattered t-shirt you don't think they're going to the office you don't think they're going to visit anybody of any importance but we will call the church the house of God we'll call the church the dwelling place we'll call the church the, the gathering place of the saints of God and, and, and people just want to approach it ever how they want. That's the world's way of thinking. God will just have to accept me how I am. He did accept you just as you were. And then He began the process to change you into what He wanted you to be. Hallelujah. So the whole, the whole problem with that was I don't have to change. I can just, I can just do it however I want. God's okay. God doesn't mind. See, that's a devilish thought process. If if that was true, why did the Bible say, purify your hearts, and purify your hearts, sinners, and cleanse your hands, unbelievers? If that was right, why did Paul say, come out from among them, the world, and be separate, saith God? Right, be separate in what the way you think, how you see things. Then you won't be doing those things. You understand? I don't believe anybody in here is living in sin. I know where you go to church, but here's what I here's what I here's what I can't know how you think. I can't know how you think unless I see how you're acting. And I don't have time to follow you around. So we got to work on how you're thinking. Amen. But do, do you understand what I'm saying? When, when you encounter that world's idea. Well you know. Uh, God loves me anyway. God loves everybody. The Bible says God loved the world so much. That he gave Jesus. Right? But he doesn't agree with everything everybody's doing. And everything that people are doing does not agree with his word. And he said if it doesn't find agreement in the word, he won't tolerate it. Oh, I'm helping you tonight. If my attitudes about daily life are out of sync with the word of God, the Holy Spirit will be greatly hindered. My attitudes about my daily life have to be in sync with the word. They have to be congruent with the Word of God. Or the Holy Spirit will be hindered. Amen. If our friends are living in sin. And they're not made uncomfortable by our lives. We may not be shining. Amen. I'm not talking about going around judging people and condemning people. But people should. People that are sinners. Should be made uncomfortable by our lifestyle. Amen. Remember, I was talking about the guy I knew? His lifestyle didn't make those sinners uncomfortable. I was talking to a person one time and they said, well, you know, they were talking about their spouse and, and my spouse likes to, to go here in the neighborhood and, you know, all the, he wants me to go with him and all the people are drinking and it just makes me uncomfortable. And I thought, I understand what that person is saying, but that's, that's backwards. My light should make darkness uncomfortable. I should say that again. If our friends are living in sin and they're not made uncomfortable by our lives, we may not be shining. But I'll hear people say, well, you know, you got to catch a fish before you clean it. That's true. But you do have to catch it. See, it's all those things that begin to think like the world. Oh, just, just let them do whatever, what they want. And, and, you know, it's okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. We're not to win the world by becoming buddies with this world. You don't win the world by buddying up with the world. Now don't misunderstand. I I know sinners that I'm I'm talking about the things of God too. But here's the thing. If you have a sinner friend, they shouldn't stay a sinner very long. Amen. John Osteen took Brother Hagin down one time to, Brother Hagin wanted to get a Cadillac or uh, excuse me, John Osteen was getting a new Cadillac, and they went down to the dealership there in the city, and uh, uh, he had a card of the guy that, that had told him to come in, and he had a uh, amount on there that he would uh, sell him the Cadillac for. And so that guy wasn't there, but the sales manager was there, and he said, yeah, I'm I'm uh, Reverend so-and-so, Reverend Osteen. He said, the guy said he could sell me this car for this amount. And the guy, the guy just started cussing. I don't know blankety-blank why he blankety-blank said that. And this was a big guy. And, you know, John Osteen wasn't very big. And, and he blankety-blank, and he was just cussing. And John got right up in his face. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And the guy said, what in the blank are you doing? He said, if you're going to cuss him, I'm going to praise him. I demand equal time. Amen. What was that? You are going to be uncomfortable with my light. Amen. Jesse said he went camp, uh, 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 hunting with a group of guys, and they was all unsaved. <laughs> and, 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 and he said he went out there, and, and, and he said, you know, most of them were pretty respectful. He said, but there was one guy. He said, he, he, boy, he would just cuts. And make oh just send your ears. And uh he did the same thing. That guy would cuss and he'd start praising the Lord. And that guy said, Hey, 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 he said, Now nah, I don't know if I can handle all that. And Jesse said, The more you cuss, the more I'm going to praise him. And before that thing was over, he got them all saved. See, you're light. And 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 I know that can sound elementary, but People, I see so much of this, when we talked about the world's philosophies, I see people in the church, preachers in the church, okay with how the world thinks. I saw one nationally known, internationally known minister that, would, that was on a program, and I didn't watch it for very long, because I couldn't figure out why he would be okay with what they were talking about. And they were talking about one of these movements, one of these social movements that, 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 you know, was started by three Marxist lesbian women and that have said outright their desire is to destroy America. And he was calling them misguided. They're not misguided, they're devilish. Not one amen. Well, one over there, praise God. Thank you, Top that's buddying up with the world. You see you see, clergy marching in gay pride parades. That's buddying up with the world. Well, I want to show them the love of God. You don't march in their parade to show them the love of God. Amen. If we take another worldview when we're around the unsaved, then we just want to be accepted by them. Amen. I heard my pastor say years ago, and I didn't really know what he he was saying until some time ago. And he said, I don't have any desire for this world anymore. He said, I I enjoy the beauty of the world, but I'm done with this world. If if we take on another world view when we're around the unsaved, it's because we want to be accepted by them. I don't want to be accepted by the unsaved. I don't want to be accepted by people that have the idea of the spirit of this age. See, it's not just how you act. How do you think? We can't afford, we can't afford to lose our testimony with the unsaved because we want to identify with them. Amen. We can't do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we get on the world's bandwagon, there's two things. They're not impressed, and we're not influencing them. They're not impressed, and we're not influencing them. That, 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 you understand? In Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4. Am I helping you tonight? Because it's it's not just how I behave. It's how I think. Ephesians 4 and 17. This I say therefore in testifying the Lord. That you henceforth or from here on out. Walk not as other Gentiles. In the vanity, the emptiness, the uselessness of their mind. Having the understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them. Because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, no restraint, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you've not so learned Christ. If so be you have heard Him and been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off the former conversation, the old man that's corrupt, according to deceitful lust, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness." Well, this is talking about conduct, but it's also talking about our mind. And, and, and notice some things that he says. He says the sinner is alienated from the life of God. So if the sinner's alienated from the life of God, why would we want to act or think like them? They're alienated from the life of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Hagin used to say this. He would say, you can't expect the covenant blessings of God on your life when you got the morals of a back alley cat. You just can't. You, you can't allow yourself to think like the world thinks and just expect God to bless you because you're saved. I was listening to something one time, and it was it was this uh Oh, it was a a Zoom meeting, and it was some ministers. And it was a a group that that, uh, I was affiliated with. And they they had really gotten over into this, uh, oh, what do I want to say, the healthy leader. And, And it kept going down this road of, you know, that preachers need therapists, and they need to be going to therapy And, you know, because they need to take care of their whole, whole self, body, soul, and spirit. Well, I understand that, but I think in these 16 weeks that we've shown from the Word of God that He says you need to live out of your spirit, you need to do something with your soul, and you need to keep your body under. Now, I'm not against, I'm not telling you never to talk to anybody if you feel like that's what you need to do. But here's my point. I think about the people in the faith that I call fathers, And I think, how would I feel if they came to me and said, uh, well, yeah, can you give me a ride to my therapist? Because the ministry is just, there's so much pressure, and I'm just almost burnt out, and I just need to go talk to my therapist and just work this out. Now, you may think I'm against therapists. I'm not. But what I'm saying, at what point At what point do I decide I have the greatest therapist ever on the inside of me? The the Holy Spirit who said when there's things I don't know, He'll help me with it. There's a flow of the Holy Spirit for every area of our life. And, And what I'm saying, that's not a sin. It's not something sinful. But it can become a worldly mindset. Well, I'm facing a challenge in my church. I need to go... I need to go talk to my therapist. No, you need to. You need to fast. You need to pray. You need to get on your face before God. That, amen. Now that that that's that's not super popular, but you know what? It took is what it will take. I I, re- I remember I remember early on in our ministry, we were associate. Uh, assistant pastors I got about two more scriptures can you wait on me and 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 uh uh I was assistant pastor and I was uh I kept going through the word and I know this sounds cliche but I kept going through the word and I kept seeing things in the word in the new testament that I wasn't seeing in the church primarily the manifestation of the power of God people getting healed people getting. now I was raised My father was healed in the days of the voice of healing. I was raised under the power of God. But I made a decision. I've got to do something to become a conduit for this power to flow. I've got got to do something. And, And I'm not going to tell you how long I fast because I'm not trying to give you a formula. But I told the Lord. I made a vow to God. I said, I'm going to fast and pray and I'm going to see you work these works in this church. Amen. Because listen, I'm called to preach. I can preach. If you're called to preach, you can preach. But there's a difference in preaching that's backed up by power and just preaching out of an anointing or out of a calling. And what I begin to see, the more I fasted, the more I sought God, the more I prayed and got myself in His presence, what I begin to see was an increase in the power of God. Because there was now a channel that that power could flow through. Amen. We quit counting how many people got healed of cancer. They used to tell people, if you don't want to get healed of cancer, don't come here. People would just be sitting in the chair and get healed of cancer. Just healed. One young lady came, and she had an incurable condition. The doctor said, there's nothing we can do. Any sound at all excruciating pain it's not migraines we don't know what it is they, they, they would give her shots directly in her skull and it would last for 30 minutes she had had to drop out of school She was and somebody had convinced her to come and she had sat through praise and worship and was just about to leave when I started preaching and before I preached I, or, or taught the word I just in my spirit I knew I needed to pray for her and I called her and her family up we laid hands on her God healed her God healed her instantaneously. Amen. I mean, it, it wasn't something she noticed two weeks later. It was now, right now. One, one young man came, and his mom brought him, and he was, he was allergic to everything. I mean, she said what he was allergic to. Uh, cats, pollen, uh, milk, uh, all, if you name it, he was allergic to it. Seven different allergy medicines this young man was on. His mom brought him on a Wednesday night. We prayed for him. She took him back to the doctor Thursday. And the same child that was addict, uh, allergic to everything on Wednesday was allergic to nothing on Thursday. I heard from that young man about two years ago. He's 22 years old. Still healed and still free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not talking about me. I'm saying at some point you got to set your mind and set your heart and say I'm not thinking like the world. There's too much at stake. There's too much God wants to do through me. There's too much God wants to do in my church and with my ministry. And I'm not going to allow the thinking of the world to stop me from moving into what God wants me to move into. Oh, glory to God. So he said you got to get rid of... Of what's on the outside and let what's on the inside show up on the outside. Now I'm going to quote some of these scriptures. You can turn to them if you want. But Ephesians 5, 8 through 11. Notice what it says. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But rather reprove them. Now again, that's not saying you go around and and rebuke everybody. But more than anything, it's saying your lifestyle should reprove the way they're living. And that word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. It means sweet communion or close fellowship. You know, when, when, when the word of God began to renew my mind, when I got back in fellowship with the Lord, you know, there were friends that I just couldn't hang out with anymore because they didn't want to change. And our fellowship wasn't good. Why? Because I had changed. Now, he wrote that to Ephesian, to the Ephesian church. Would that apply to us? Even in the day we live in. Don't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Reprove them. Amen. You know, there should be people in your life that when somebody makes a statement about something that's wrong and they say, well, I wonder if they would do that. That person should go, no, no, they wouldn't do that. It should be a given. Pastor Michelle and I have family members that when we go to their house, there's things they put up. There's things they won't watch on TV because we're there. Now, I don't like it that they watch it at all. But they know we don't do that. Amen. James. <laughs> James James 4 verse 4 through 5 it says you adulterers and adulteresses don't you know that to be a friend of the world makes you an enemy of god wow think about that the bible says before you got born again you were an enemy of god i don't want to hang around with god's enemies enemies and, and, and it says friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's what it says. So that means my, my thinking has to be that my close fellowship, my close relationships are with people of like precious faith. We're winning the world. Not buddying up with the world. One last verse. 1 John 2. 1 John chapter 2. Save this one till last. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say out loud. We're growing. growing. See, this is important. Because I've said this before. The world, folks, listen. The world is trying to squeeze our children into its mold. It's trying to squeeze our grandchildren into its mold. If mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and aunt and uncle, if we don't stand up and say, look, we're not going to be friends with the world, we're not going to be conformed to their way of thinking, At at some point, it is okay for you to tell your children, we don't watch that because we're saved. Amen. It's okay for you to tell your child, we're not watching that because we're saved. In this house, we're Christians. I don't want to turn them away from the church. So just turn them to hell then. I mean, that's the choice I have. Yeah, but you know, I don't want to be seen as one of those fuddy-duddies. You're a believer. Oh, my Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Do, Do you see that? We, we went into a house one time, and, and it was a relative's home. And, and I'm not, listen, we, we love our relatives, obviously. You know, it's, 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 it's like people say, you know, you can go to the theater and pick your seat, but you can't pick your relatives. But amen. But the, 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 the point is, is we went in, and they were letting their kids watch something, and, and I forget exactly what it was. It may have been some kind of Harry, Harry Potter or something like that. And in any event, uh, uh, it was on. And, and I don't know what the scene was, but Lily looked up there and it just freaked her out. And the person that, the, it was their house, they go, oh, she don't watch that, does she? I said, no, she don't. And they turned it off. No, she don't watch that. Yeah, but why not? The wizarding world of Harry Potter. Now, I haven't been perfect raising my kids and they've watched things they shouldn't have watched. But here's, here's, here's the, the point that I'm making with you. Is this. If, if I know it's going to affect their thinking. 1 John 2 verse 15. I'm almost done. I'm done with this verse. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world. The love of the Father is not in him. Is that what your Bible says? It is right. I want to make sure I don't have a trick Bible. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And notice, the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abideth forever. So he tells us flat out, don't love the world, don't love the things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. When sinners see us, they should be impacted by the difference in our lives. Whether they knew you or not. Amen. Wigglesworth tells the story of traveling by train. And he was traveling and, and uh, of course he would always, you know, uh, uh, get a nice car. And, and it, it wasn't a, a super long trip, but it was still a nice car. And there was another man sitting in there. And he said, uh, he went in and, and took the, the side that he had, had rented. And uh, they, they went on down a few miles and a few minutes. And in, in a few minutes, the man got on his knees in front of Wigglesworth and said, My God, man, you convict me of sin. And he never said anything to him. Now, we hear stories like that. And, and you know, we think, well, yeah, you know, and we, Wigglesworth and, and he did this. The God that was in Wigglesworth is in you. And he will shine just as brightly out of you as he did out of him if you will allow him the same opportunity. Hallelujah. If this nation, and I'll end with this, if this nation is going to change, it's going to be the church that changes it. It's going to be the church that changes it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, the, it's impacted by the difference in our lives, not by how much we're like them. And, they, and, they, and there's a lot of things that maybe very legalistic people can get into that way. But remember what that scripture said. It said that I need to stay away from the habits, the mannerisms, the actions, the fashions of this world. I've got I to be careful with that i got, I got to be careful with that. You know, I remember, and uh, I, I remember, I can remember when uh, it became fashionable for guys to wear earrings. Anybody else remember that? Now, I'm not saying it's fashionable. I said had to remember. And I heard a preacher say something one time, and he said, uh, wear Did our young men learn to do that? Did they learn that from the Apostle Paul or Jesus? No, they learned it from the world. Now, I'm not telling you not to be fashionable. You know, I don't want you to run around in a potato sack. (laughs) Right? But there are things the world does and the the ways the world does things. We're not supposed to do it. Amen. If, if the world looks at us and they can't see a difference, my light's not shining. Amen. I want my neighbor to see a difference. Right? I want to I be a light in my neighborhood. Well, the only way I'm going to do that is let the light shine. Amen. Amen. Did you receive anything tonight? Well, let's stand up, shall we? Hallelujah. And, you know, as we're uh, getting ready to go, I just want you to do something with me. Now, we're not, we're not going to go as far as we used to go. You know, when I was a boy in church, we didn't dare leave church without coming around the altar. And I don't know, you know, how effective it was for everybody, but it imprinted in my spirit. And I'm not saying that we need to just go back to that. But if you would join me in this tonight, would you just bow your head? Bow your head close your eyes. Because we, we want to go home tonight and know that everything that God wants us to do, I'm committed to do it. And so I just want, I just, I just want to lead you in this prayer tonight. And, and, and I call it a prayer of, of commitment. Just say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus... I commit tonight to your plan for my life, your will for my life, whatever it is, wherever it takes me, whatever the cost, I'll do it. I'll not complain. I'll do it joyfully and I'll do it with peace in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. See, now y'all's on the altar.